Um, you know, for the last few weeks, um, Randy has been teaching us in a series on wealth, riches, and money, and how it affects us and its elements in our lives and stuff. And we've been learning a lot. It's been very, very helpful. One of the things we've learned is that the spirit of mammon is not necessarily money, um, but it's an entity that tries to influence us and make us believe that it is um, the source for our lives. And so it uses money. I'm jumping right into the sermon. Have you noticed? Yeah, I'm jumping right in because we've got a lot to do this morning, and I want to make sure I give time for some testimonies that are going to be important. Anyway, back. So anyway, so what we've learned is that necessarily that money is not necessarily mammon, but it is used by mammon, this spirit, to entice us and to make us put a lot of emphasis in it and think that that is what we're going to run to in times of trouble um, and it's our source. Now, last week, Randy shared about the top ten most likely obvious symptoms of a mammon spirit, and really there are others besides these top ten, but these are the most common ones. We're going to go through them real quickly. Worry and anxiety over money. Number two, money mismanagement. Three, uh, consistent financial lack. Four, I need it mentality. Five, impulsive buying and spending. Six, stinginess. Seven, covetousness and greed. Eight, discontent. Nine, bondage to debt, accumulation of debt. And ten, exaggerated emphasis on money. And, you know, some of you have been very, very stirred by this series and have actually been sending me emails saying, wow, I missed last week, or I'm going to miss next week. And so please make sure to check our website. Benjamin's been very faithfully putting um, the sermons to this series online so you can listen to it again, for those of you who feel like you need to listen to it again, or for some reason or another you're going to miss one of the services. And um, please do that. Now, um, I was wondering if any of you have been experiencing anything positive happening to your finances or the way you look at finances throughout this series. Just raise your hand if you have. Okay, I'm one of them. Okay, now, you can put your hands down. Would any of you be willing to share what God's been doing? Got a microphone right here. I'd like to just give an opportunity to hear what God's been doing. Because I can give my testimony, but... Um, last Sunday, when uh, after I left church, I went home and packed my bags. I was driving to Houston to visit Matt and Tab for the for Memorial Day. And uh, on my way, leaving the house, driving, I was at the Ingram and 410 intersection. And there's a guy there with a guy with a sign. That's what I usually refer because, you know, I don't know, just a guy with a sign. And never in my life have I ever given money to a guy with a sign because um, I have this thing like, you know, what are they going to use it for? And, you know, I mean, I've gone on evangelisms where we've given money and prayed and things for people. Um, in that situation, but I just couldn't, just cash, no. And I always would get mad, like, when I'd see people giving them cash. And I've heard stories about other people who, you know, tried to help them, and they didn't want help, they only wanted money. And, you know, I just, I had this, like, thing. So I'm sitting there in my car, and I feel like I hear in my head, you can give him something. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to miss it. Maybe this is about me, and it's not about him Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's just, just something that God is teaching me about, you know, what I do with my money. So I knew I had cash, but I normally don't. Get my wallet out, and I have a five and a one. I'm like, I'm just going to give him a one. This is all I can do. <laughs> so I rolled out my window, 
And he come, he's, he'd walked past me, and he's coming back to me again. I rolled my own hand in the dollar, and I just said, God bless you. And he said, thank you. And he kind of, like, you know, bent a little bit towards me and then con- smiled and then continued walking. And as he's walking away, <laughs> um, I hear in my head, Joy, I love him. And I just, I just broke. I just started bawling. And I was like, how have I missed it all these years that you love them? And that regardless of, you know, maybe bad choices they've made or are continuing to make or, or whatever, you love them. And that is the heart of God is compassion and care and love. And somehow in my rationalizing what I did with my money, I missed the message. Hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Joy. Um, okay. Uh, I think when we were going over this last week, um, I was sitting back with Schroeder, and I f- like God just kept, like he gave me a couple of those points where he convicted me. Um, and one of the things was... Um, Worry and anxiety and stinginess. And in the sense that um, whenever Stephen gets a bonus or something like that, we or our uh, tax return, um, we always try like to put as much in this savings account that isn't intended for anything. Like it's just this savings account that just sits there. I don't know where it's going to go. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, and it, it occurred to me the reason I do that, the reason that that's such a, a need, is because that's my security. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if he ever got laid off or whatever, this is our security. And, um, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think it's wholeheartedly wrong to save that money, but it's certainly, um, I felt like he was just saying to me, this is not your security. This mm-hmm. is not your security deposit. Um, your security is in me. And so you don't need to, like, um, you can rest in that, I guess. Um, and I'm like, why have I not learned this already? Because <laughs> he got laid off two years ago. And, I mean, even with Claire and Randy, we were praying, and I, I think at that point I even confessed that, you know, I was relying on this um, savings account to make it through that time and it ended up we never even had to touch that when we were laid off um for we were laid off for like four and a half months and god just provided like money from weird places (laughs) and didn't we didn't have to touch it so he i don't know why i still believe it's my security because he's totally proven to me that it isn't but that's awesome that's cool some more Um, well, most of you know that um, we had some unexpected expenses come up recently. And um, I was really kind of going into that place of worry and anxiety. My daughters can testify to that. And we already had this vacation planned after the unexpected wedding. And so we went ahead and went on it. And um, long story short, I just kind of released it. God, I don't know what your plan is, but you knew about this wedding 
you knew, you know, all of our plans, so I just release it to you. And yesterday we got a notice in the mail of some unexpected money coming in that will cover, you know, this credit card swipe that I've been doing relentlessly lately with full intention of paying it off in full at the end of the month. I'm not saying, you know, anyway, all that. <laughs> Let's do one more. So there were quite a few hands up, so I want to give opportunity. Um, hi. Can you stand I, up, though, so people can see you? Thank you. Yeah, just um, for me, it, particularly last week with the list, um, I had an idea of what that spirit was and, and what the uh, you know, spirit of mammon is and its influence in our world, but it was a really myopic idea. In my mind, it was covetousness and greed and none of the rest of that stuff. And as I was going through the list praying last week, God pointed to at least four of them that are not covetous or greed that I struggle with. And so kind of looking at it less myopically in a more broad perspective has been uh, eye-opening and helpful. That's cool. All right. Thank you for sharing. God's going to continue to do some work. Maybe today's message may be uh, redundant as I'm hearing you guys speak and what God's continuing to do, but we're going to go with it because I think it's what God's doing. One of the main verses that Randy's been using as he's been teaching is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Let's read that. And God, this is from the Amplified Version, and God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnishing abundance for every good and charitable donation. Now, what we learned about this when it says here, God is able to make all grace, that it is a promise from God's word, but it's conditional. Just because he's able doesn't mean he's going to do that, that there are conditions. And we're learning what those conditions are, and we'll be learning even more so what some of those conditions are. In order to gain this level of financial freedom, to be self-sufficient and able to care for all the needs, and not only that, but care for every charitable good work that God brings to us to support or to, to be a part of, to be at that place, that is an awesome place. And the first time I heard this verse in the series through the Amplified, I was like, oh my goodness, is that where you're taking us? And that's something really worth being excited. But it's not automatic. What are God's conditions... What releases this level of financial freedom and how are we going to relate to money in order to get there? In order to possess, as it says here, enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Now, some basic things I'm just going to throw out as a reminder is Randy talked about the principles that are operative in the world system related to finances are the two main words. Anybody remember what they are? Giving. And uh, the world, excuse me, buying and selling. And in the spirit, in God's economy, the two key words are giving and receiving. Okay, so we see in God's economy that he gives freely and we get freely. And after we get freely, we give freely 
and others receive freely. So it's a give and receive, give and receive attitude that's going on. So therefore, as Christians, when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit and we give, are we going to expect something back? Freely give, freely receive. Freely receive, freely give. When we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit and we're expecting to get, that's the wrong idea. Getting is a very different word than receiving. Okay? The getting mentality is a worldly mentality. I give a gift hoping to get a gift. You ever done that? But have you ever given a gift never expecting to get back? It's an awesome feeling. And it's an awesome feeling because you're connecting with the Spirit of God. You're connecting with His heart and how He shaped us as eternal beings to be like Him. Because he gives freely. All right, so what's really fun is that in this process of giving, we get experience, we experience the grace of God, the empowerment of God to be able to give freely. Now, um, when we demand or expect an exchange, we are functioning under the world operative systems as it comes to finances. Okay, now let's look at this. When I um, expect anything back in return, and I'm in that mindset, and let's, let's just say that I'm in this place now where I, I'm like, I want to live like I was created to live, as an eternal being in the heart of God, in his principles. And I decide, you know what, I'm going to give in a system that's not of this world. I'm going to give in a system that's in God's system. So I take this money that I have, and I give it freely, not expecting anything back, what I'm doing with that money is I'm profaning it and its world system and the way it functions. I'm walking in a realm that it was not created to walk in. Okay? Randy's already talked about money and how money was created and where its roots and all that kind of stuff, right? So when I take money and I use it in, like in the God system, I'm profaning its attributes or the way it normally functions. And that is a good thing that we can do as Christians with money. We don't have to be afraid of money. We're to manage it. And we're to use it in a way that we're demonstrating the power and the grace of God to walk in it. Okay, now I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to go into the teaching. Father, I just thank you so much for um, what you want to give to us this morning, what you want to do in us this morning. I pray, Father, that you would remove a spirit of sleepiness, confusion, resistance. Father, that you would put in us, Father, a receptivity to your Holy Spirit, Father, where some concepts are... Uh, simple. Some of them are very hard because we have boundaries. We have barriers, Lord, that we've been raised in that don't allow us to grasp the wisdom of the Spirit. Oh, Lord, we want to be children that understand your wisdom and walk in it, Lord. We want to walk in your grace. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds to be able to receive your truth this morning. Father, I pray you would help me this morning to, um, to share your heart and that you would open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some really good churches and some really good people have taught, if you're having trouble financially, what you need to do is start sowing and reaping. You ever heard that? Yeah. And there's something wrong in that formula. Because it has a touch of this mentality of giving to get. Okay, now we're going to teach later on about sowing and reaping and its context. 
and its context related to our finances. But when we approach that form of giving, we're in the wrong park. We're, we're parked somewhere wrong, and we have ill motivation. And we're going to look at that today. So that, I'm a little concerned that some of you might get stuck there. But we're actually nullifying the grace of God when we park ourselves with that kind of mentality. We have a, we're in the worldly exchange of giving to get. And, you know, we basically begin to think this way. Well, I have given to God. I have earned his provision. He owes it to me. You know, we can chuckle because we've never said that or we've heard someone say that. And that kind of mentality is an offense to the Lord. That's, there's no grace there. You don't need grace with that kind of mentality. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 28. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, and he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who are you by wor- Who of you? By worrying can add a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field, they do not labor or spin. Now in this passage, Jesus is trying to attempt to help his hearers understand, don't fret about stuff. Don't fret about getting stuff in order to survive. In this very simple illustration, he's showing you, okay, birds, dime a dozen. And look how he takes care of them. Don't you understand that you are much more important to me? Because you're made in the image of me. I don't make birds in my image. I've made people in my image. So I have much greater value for you. In the Christian worldview system, when we have that we're made in the image of God, that changes our politics. It changes our finances. It changes how we raise kids. It changes how we work. It changes every aspect of our life. Now, if you have another world system, like a Hindu world system, and, you know, you're not made in the image of God, it changes how you relate to all those factors also. But as a Christian, this makes a big difference. And Jesus is saying, you're much more important than birds. You're made in my image, and therefore you matter to me. In other words, their provision is not dependent on them working. It is given to them by grace. God provides because he cares for them. And how much more does he care for you? I mean, do any of you think that you're less valuable to God than a bird? I mean, if you were from another religion or another worldview, you might think that. But in the Christian worldview, no. We're very dear to the heart of God, as is his creation, but us so much more so than them. So Jesus makes this point. Our Heavenly Father makes basic provision for our lives just because he loves us. And that statement is what is called sparrow faith. And that's what Randy and I are going to refer to that phrase. That he makes provision for us just because he loves us. And when we have that as the basis of where we're going to build our lives financially as Christians, it makes a difference. For every single thing that testimony this morning, didn't knowing 
that just because he loves me or just because he loves that man, it makes a difference how I deal with what's in my pocket. So sparrow faith is the foundational principle that we're going to grasp, which is a basic trust that God will provide for my needs because he loves me. God gives to us freely. It's the basis of his economical system. And sparrow faith is the cornerstone of our Christian financial structure. Absolute trust, absolute confidence that God loves me and therefore he's going to provide for me. Okay, so if this is true, the provision I am currently experiencing is from where? Okay. Okay, now let's take an example. Randy works for CTO 40 hours a week. Pretty regularly 40. Sometimes a little bit more. But pretty, pretty much in the ballpark of 40 hours a week. Sparrow Faith says that Randy is working for God, not for man. This principle is found in Ephesians as it regards to slaves. Now, although many of you no longer live under slavery, and some of you feel that you do, let's look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Slaves, obey your earthly master with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Only them, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. So the money Randy gets from his employer is not due him, but rather it is God's provision made available by grace for Randy and his family. It's a gift from God, from heaven, who loves him. It is the Lord that rewards. Hmm. This makes God Randy's provider, not Mike Arnold. Okay? Mike Arnold is simply God's current conduit in which God is using to resource for Randy. Now, you may be thinking, okay, fine, big point. It is a big point because it makes a difference how we view what happens in our lives when CTO disappears. Okay? When it disappears, what's still there? Right. But if CTO was it and it disappears, what's left, you guys? Yeah, right. Panic, fear, anxiety, striving, greed. Selfishness, that whole list and a whole bunch more that aren't on, up on that list. So it makes a difference if we can begin to think, my source is God, period. And this is his present conduit that he's using in my life. Okay? Now, let's brainstorm for a little bit. What, y'all, some of you are under 20, some are 20, some are 30s, and some of are like me in their 40s. <laughs> And over. Thank you, Randy. Keeping me straight. Okay, so now, what are some of the kinds of places or persons that you've experienced provision through? Have been used by God as conduits. What are they? My parents. Your parents. Okay. Church. The church. The government. The government. Grants. What's more? Strangers. Strangers. Checks in the mail. Any of you got an inheritance? 
Maybe not from your parents, but other people you didn't even know. I did once. Never met my great aunt. Got an inheritance from her. Your bosses? Okay. All right, so those are conduits. Provision that God is using. Conduits for which God's using to bring you provision. How many of you have had it changed at least more than twice in your life? Okay, five times. Ten. Twenty. Okay, you guys. Let's, let's agree right here, basically. It's going to change. Right? It's going to change. It already has changed many hands in your lifetime. As young as Mercy has, she's had experiences of God's provision being from other people besides her parents. Okay, she's a minor. And she has had other people do that. That's going to happen. So if that's going to happen, what's going to get us through it? God. That's it. That's the point of the sermon today. That's it. He is our source. Period. And things are going to change. And the deal is that often, as adults, kids don't think this way because they don't get paychecks. But as adults, when we start getting that piece of paper with our name and a number attached to it, we start forgetting it's from this conduit of God and start thinking that piece of paper, that job, that boss is my source. And that creates problems. And that's when that mammon spirit can start twisting our heads. Okay, now let's look at this. Sometimes when people hear me talk, they go away and say, Clara said, and I'm like, wow, how did you do that? That is so out of the context. So I'm not telling you all to quit your jobs because God's our source. We're going to quit our jobs. God's going to provide. You better not do that unless God tells you to. Okay, if he tells you, you know what, you need a break, you need to go on this mission trip. I'm going to provide for you. Do it. You better do that. Okay, but that's not what I'm saying. Don't misquote me. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. Our orders, backed up by the Master Jesus, this is significant, are to refuse to have anything to do with those among you who are lazy and refuse to work the way we taught you. Don't permit them to freeload on the rest. We showed you how to pull your weight when we were with you. So get on with it. This is the message version. I like it. <laughs> we didn't sit around on our hands expecting others to take care of us. In fact, we worked our fingers to the bone up half the night moonlighting so you wouldn't be burdened by taking care of us. And it wasn't because we didn't have a right to your support. We did. We simply wanted to provide an example of diligence hoping it would prove contagious. Don't you remember the rule we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't eat. And now we're getting reports that a bunch of lazy good-for-nothings are taking advantage of you. This must not be tolerated. We command them to get to work immediately, no excuses, no arguments, and earn their own keep. Friends, don't slack off in doing your duty. Hey, I did not write this. It's a beautiful script, and sometimes we need to use this, right? So I'm not telling you to quit your job. I just thought I needed to back that up, okay? The point is that God may simply be using a different channel in our lives besides the checkbook, besides that job situation, a different kind of provision than just money. Now, I would like Nigel and Joyce, are you going to come up with him? 
just for moral support. And you're so beautiful. Everybody wants to see you. Okay, that, that God's provision comes only as a source of money is really not true. Come on up. Come on up. The McKay family, let's just give them a big hand here. I've asked them to share um, some of their testimony. It's awesome. But they're only going to share four minutes. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Is this on? Okay. Um, boy, this is really bright. I've never been up here. Um, a testimony of God is that he is very rarely ever early, but he's never late. Mm. Um, this, I guess, about a period of time in my life that I was unemployed for almost a year, probably about a year, might have been just over a year. Um, I'm a chiropractor, for those of you who don't know. I was at that time. I was before this time. I was working for a major corporation, um, chiropractic corporation, and it was one office of many um, uh, mega practice. Um, anyway, uh, working daily, doing my job, um, you know, doing what I do. And uh, circumstances being, I won't go into this because uh, we have to keep it short. Um, uh, I was unjustly fired from this job. And they've clearly violated all their written documents concerning being fired. Um, quite shocked. You know, I have a family, four kids. Um, and I knew that uh, prospects for getting employed again were limited. Um, but uh, God has never taken unaware of our situation and uh, I, other circumstances that had happened previously that are, had already convinced me of this. So, But yet you're being in a position of vulnerability, wondering to know what's next, how to go to the next step. Um, God uh, told me what to do. I, 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 I got away from everything and prayed, and God showed me what to do. And I'm not a very confrontational person. I'm not uh, that at all. But God told me to do something that was very confrontational. Uh, I wrote a letter to my former employer, or rather the uh, president of the CEO, and it was quite bold uh, in content. It was quite biblical in content. Uh, in fact, Old Testament biblical. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so to speak. wasn't done angrily. It was done righteously. Um, and uh, it was a, in the context of the letter, I said, and, uh, you know, they had owed me some uh, vacation time, which was mine. But then I said that... God is going to give you an amount above what you owe me, and uh, you're going to pay it. And uh, they did. Wow. In fact, the lawyer called me a week later after the, it was sent to the, to the CEO, and he says he was perplexed. He said, you know, we don't give sever, severance packages ever, but we are in your case. And they had me sign off on some documents, you know, so I wouldn't sue them in the future. 
And that was a major, major, major miracle for us. It, it you know, it was, you know, it was several thousand dollars, uh, but it certainly wasn't enough to get us through a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, throughout that time, uh, we never missed a payment. We never missed a bill. Uh, Grocery-wise, I began, we both actually, as a whole family, began volunteering in a ministry called Daily Bread Ministries, which is a food ministry that's still going on. Um, And part of that was that we were uh, collecting food and other things uh, for other Christian ministries. And as a result of that, our involvement in that, we never hardly had to buy groceries you know, during that period of time. In fact, we ate better <laughs> then than we are now. You know, it's like, you know, we ate the creme de la creme. Of, it was uh, due to catering businesses that had excess food, and it was all this swank food, you know, and we had this filled up our freezer all the time. And then there was uh, just several sources, unexpected sources during that time that gave us money, um, thousands of dollars um, and that was just God it was just as a, and, and then uh, I began working uh, coverage work for other doctors uh, which was kind of spotty but it worked into the job I have now I mean it just went from one to the other and and uh, right now we're kind of in another position we're kind of that same conduct you were talking about is changing for us but I have no fear. There's no fear because I know that God is out there. He's never taken unawares. All throughout his word, we can see that, that God can provide for, you know, unlimited numbers of people. And he has no problem with it, none at all. And he's so creative in what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to add to that, that this process, you know, the children were young and it was a real faith builder for them, and um, well, still is. And it, it left a permanent mark, I believe, on them in, in knowing and seeing evidence of God's provision. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, Elijah in First Samuel 17 was given food. Mephibosheth. In 2 Samuel 9, was given clothing. 5,000 persons in Matthew 14 are fed, all without money. And if we can understand this and no longer be under the control of money, then we can begin to manage it properly and manage it the way God would want us to and get under the pressure of that slave holder and get back into 2 Corinthians chapter 9 mentality. So when the Lord tells us to give freely, we can give freely. And we can become a manager of a portions of God's resources. Okay, now I, I manage resources with Randy. I have portions that I'm supposed to deal with it. And so when it more comes than what we need, and we're going to talk about closing that circle so we understand what is it that we need, I could begin to pray, and we could begin to pray, God, what are we supposed to do with this extra money? You don't just get a bigger house or a bigger whatever. What am I supposed to do with this money, Lord? We can begin to use our resources in that realm of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
So sparrow faith is the key foundational principle, which is a basic trust that God will provide for my needs because he loves me. Okay, now I have a question. How many of you currently are happy with your provision from God? Okay, you don't like the word happy. How many of you are content with God's provision with your life right now? Okay. Okay, so if is God providing for you, then there should be a level of contentment that we as Christians should experience. And there's a disconnect if there isn't that contentment. Because we want it to look a certain way or come a certain way. There's something wrong. We need to be troubled with that. I, don't, I know you didn't like that question. Okay? But you were good to raise your hand when you did. Okay? But you guys, if we're struggling with contentment as how God is basically providing for us right now, then there's something wrong in the dynamic, either in us or out there. Okay? And sometimes where we are are based on decisions we've made that have got us where we are. We didn't just get there overnight for some of us. Some of us, it feels like we're victims. We're just victimized, victimized, victimized. And I'm here in this horrible hole. Okay? And as we continue on in the series, you're going to begin to be able to see I'm victimized. Some of my own choices, some choices made for me. All right? And we're going to release it. But I, I want to challenge you. I believe that we should all in this room have some level of contentment with the provision that God is giving to us now. Okay, when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the context of that verse, we've talked about this before, was having a lot or having a little. That's where the contentment came. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me if I have a little or have a lot. That's contentment. And so we're not experiencing that realm. There's something wrong in the water. The fish is going to stink. Something's wrong. Now let's look at um, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 6. So this is a great passage about how God provides in other means than just money. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in Cherith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. That would be an interesting meal. I wonder what they brought him. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Cherith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. And his second course was bread and meat in the evening, right on time. Ding! And he drank from the brook. Now the first thing we notice is that Elijah's current place of provision is changing. Right? Because the place where he lived is going to go into a drought. And so he goes to where God tells him, and then God provides. So we see a change happening there. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The Lord speaks to him and tells him this is where you're to go. So Nigel disclosed there may be some changes coming up. Who's his source? God. Who's he going to go to? God and talk to him. And God may say, okay, we'll also get some counselors to help you. Talk to some wise guys and see if, if God speaks through them and pray. Okay, this is the Christians. The Lord gives them specific directions of where he's supposed to go and the next place of provision for him. 
It's not money that he goes to, it's the Lord. And he listens to the Holy Spirit, and then he obeys. Now, you know what? Elijah could have said, you know what? There's plenty of water right here. There's not going to be a drought for three years. I mean, I did. And if you do that kind of thinking, you're off base. Okay? You've got to listen to God and what he's saying. And so he moves on. Now, some of you are thinking, all right, that was Elijah. I mean, he's a big dude. He was a big gun in the Old Testament. And so he can hear from God like that and take, you know, a big risk like that. But you guys, Elijah is just a regular kind of a guy like you. He's an ordinary person. He's no big guns. James chapter 5:17 says that. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly, there's the key, that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Wow, that's a lot of power. When Randy was talking, uh, I think about three weeks ago, he was beginning to describe this mammoth spirit and stuff, and he said this line, and I wish I had listened to the tape to get it perfectly quoted, but it was something like this. What are you trusting to access in the future to provide for you? Or something like that. And the Holy Spirit just nailed me. I was so nailed. And I remember I came up, and I remember saying, okay, you guys are feeling this, bye-bye, get some prayer, and another. And some of you came up for prayer, and I prayed for somebody. But I knew that when I'm done praying, i got to get prayer. That's how it works here. We give freely, and then we receive freely. Okay? And then Stephen was up here. And I said, Stephen, I need prayer. He goes, what? What's going on? You know what? I have been putting a lot of my future hope on my house. Now, guys, you see my house? It's big and beautiful. It's awesome. You know, when we sell that house, we're going to have a lot of money, and it's going to be just fine for Randy and I. Okay, what the heck did that come from? Okay, now the deal is, you may not know this about my house, and don't spread it around because we are going to fix it before we sell a house, but we have a very big roof problem. Didn't get fixed in the first year. Sorry. After that, it's all on you, baby. So we have this roof problem. And so inadvertently, I have been praying every single time it rains, oh, Lord, please don't make it rain a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys. I know that prayer is so powerful. I know that. But I used it for selfish reasons, and God you know, allowed it because I think he wanted to teach me a lesson because how can you live in San Antonio and not pray for rain? Right? That is just mean-spirited. And strike this from the tape, Benjamin. But no, seriously, that was my heart. And when the Lord showed me, you have been putting a lot of oomph in that house and you were hoping to access that in the future, and I repented, and I asked the Lord to please forgive me, that I loved my own thoughts than the needs of my city. And I repented, and you guys, it's been raining pretty regularly since that day. <laughs> and I'm, I'm serious. I'm not making this up. This is the real truth, okay? So what is it that you're putting your, your eggs in? Is that the expression? Putting all your eggs in a basket, right? 
So basket. What's your basket? See, I mix these things up on purpose because it's to wake you up <laughs> and see if you're listening, all right? Okay, so what, what is it for you? Is it your business? Is it you're in the military and the military is going to take care of you and retire? What about your health? Randy says Social Security. I don't think a lot of us are putting a lot of trust in that. <laughs> okay. Whatever your blank is, that's what you need to repent about. Mine was my house. I've repented about that. And every single time it rains, I thank the Lord. I praise him and say, praise God. I want you to bow your heads. Well, this is the point, Lord. That X, that blank, whatever we put in there, Lord, our smarts, our education, the inheritance we hope to get someday from our really smart parents, our job, our health, Lord. Hey, maybe my kids will grow up and be a doctor and take care of me. Well, I don't know what it is. But, Lord, it's wrong. It is just wrong that we've done that. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for putting our source somewhere else than you. It grieves you, Lord, I know. You're so much bigger, Lord, than that stinky house with the leaky roof. You're so much bigger, Lord, than the military retirement fund. Lord, you're so much bigger than anything like that. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Cleanse us, Lord. Deliver us, Father, from that spirit of mammon. He's a stinky liar. And he's ripped us off, Lord. He's counterfeited you. So, Lord, we just give it to you now. We just scratch out that blank right now. We blank it off and we put your name there, Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit. We put your name there. You are our source. You will be our source. You have been our source. You're it. You are our provision. No more. Nothing else. You are. And we accept the channel of provision you give to us. We will be people who are content in a lot or a little. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay, that's it. Yeah, no, go ahead. I just didn't do 15 minutes, so let's go. Thank you. Um, 
I was having my personal devotions this week, and I happened to be in First um, Timothy. Happened to have as a part of it the actual text I had taught from last week, which was about being content and um, not focusing on um, being rich, money. And uh, then immediately after that, uh, Paul says, Rather than doing that, pursue righteousness, faith, godliness, love, care. And um, so that led me into some personal study. It was actually on uh, my birthday. I normally, my devotions are usually around 20 minutes or so. I spent two hours that morning. I actually went into work early so that I could start early and ended up starting on time, which was fine. But anyway, um, Something that stirred in me, there were numerous things, but one of those was this this wrestling with God as our source. And uh, particularly trying to consider how, if, if, if our normal job, if, if the relationship in our job is exchange, I, I serve, I offer a service, I get paid. It's buy and sell, it's an exchange. If if is there any way that in my work, rather than operating in the world's economy of exchange, I operate in the economy of God of receiving and giving? And um, I was wrestling with that because what is there any way i mean we're in that system we we can't get out of it there you know we're paid for a service but what i was what i began to sort of contemplate was i can't do anything about my boss or the company but i can do something about me i can make a decision that i am not going to operate i am not going to work there for a paycheck anymore instead I'm going to do what that verse said, which is work unto the Lord and trust God that whatever provision I need will be there. And so um, I, I really believe, I was just really wrestling, and I can't say that I came to a full and concrete grasp of it, but I believe that a part of what we're teaching here is that Yes, we have to live in the world, and yes, we're functioning around a an economy, a world's economy of buy and sell and exchange. But we don't have to. We don't have to live there. And so I would just I would just challenge you that that a part of this concept of God being our source is going to require some, you know, rewiring of our thinking. It's interesting, Paul. A couple different passages says the same material. Put off the old things, have your mind renewed, and then put on new patterns and behaviors. I've always appreciated that there's that middle step. We have to be, you know, brainwashed. We have to be cleansed in our brain from all the wrong thinking. Stinking thinking, a friend of mine used to say. So I would just challenge you and, and there are a lot of passages that speak of the slave master relationship and I I don't know how many of you sort of rule that out just kind of oops that's not for me 
But it is. That's employer-employee relationships. That's our, our current situation. And I would challenge you that if, if you can go into work tomorrow morning, those of you who work, and offer your services as, as a gift to that company, that your heart and mind are going to be in a whole lot better place over time. And I'm just thoughtful. When we when we are doing it for money, when we're doing when we're doing what we're doing because they owe it to us, overtime's a challenge for those of us who are salaried. Um, the potential for they're not paying me enough. The potential for that isn't fair. There's there's all all this space for uh, ungodliness. That is wrapped around this spirit of mammon. Rather than this opportunity to be God's child, to be God's sparrow, who's cared for. So anyway, that was something that I'm grappling with and and would uh, pray for you. So I'm going to pray for us right now for a moment that we would um, could be able to grasp this, that somehow we can find the way. I don't have the answer fully. I don't know how this is going to work. I may need my consultant son-in-law to help me. Father, we uh, welcome you um, to continue to renew our minds. We know that there's patterns and behaviors from that list that we looked at, uh, Clara reminded us of this morning, that are, that are uh, uh, influences of a spirit of mammon that we have bought hook, line, and sinker and are being dragged around the lake. Um, we want those things broken. We want our minds to be renewed, to understand and grasp these truths that you are our source, that you are our provider, that you are our boss. And then we want new ways of relating. So instead, Lord, of the purpose for my job being to get a check, the purpose of my job now becomes to serve and love others. And to be a light in a darkness. That it truly would be, we would be missionaries. You are providing for us. We get to go do something somewhere where your kingdom's needed. Where people are needing Jesus. God, I think we would we would be so much more happy and content. So I pray that you would do that in me. Lord, where I have put my faith in my job, where I have been clutching and grasping through the years, I am sorry. Where I have had senses that I should receive a bonus, that they should pay me more, Lord, I'm sorry. And from this day forward, I trust you to provide. I don't ever want to be paid again. But I don't know how to do that inside my heart or my head. And so I welcome you to do that for me and for my friends. In Jesus' name. All right. Okay. So let's just stand. Thank you, Randy. And let me just pray a blessing over you, all right? Holy Spirit, we, I work for you, Lord. 
We all here in this room, Father, work for you. You are our boss. You are the reason why we get up and do what we do on a daily basis. And, Lord, uh, we just renounce any more, Father, working for man. Our boss is God. And we thank you for the channels, the provision you've given to us, Lord. And that's how we view it, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for the changes that you're going to create in our lives and how you're going to be there no matter what. Now, I speak a spirit of contentment to be over your hearts, of God's provision for you and how he chooses to provide for you in this time. And I speak um, blessing and prosperity upon your life, that you would prosper in your work, that you would be a light wherever you work, wherever you study, whatever you're doing during the day, that you would be a light and that your life would make a difference in that place. And I release you to now walk under the reality and the truth of the principle that God is your source and that he loves you and he will provide for you because he cares for you. And if I just bless them and give them a full week of encounters with you and loving you and loving others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you very much, you guys. If you would like prayer, come on up. Next Sunday, you're going to have an awesome teaching. Do not miss it for anything. It's going to be incredible. Love you. Bye.